Well, good morning, church. What a fantastic song. Give me a second to pause for that. That's just so powerful. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the, the time we have to come together corporately and worship you and exalt you. You are, you are worthy of all of our praise. And we look forward to the day that we will be in your very presence, worshiping you um, in person. Look forward to that. Give us that perspective. Sometimes we lose sight of eternity. We get so focused on today, and we worry about today, and we fret about today. And just help us to have your perspective that you are um, preparing a place for us, and we can look forward to that. We think of the issues that we face as a nation, as a, as a world. We think of the conflict in Ukraine and uh, the number of believers in that area that are, are desperately trying to um, survive and share their faith in the midst of a very difficult situation. Our world's in turmoil, and, uh, and in one sense, it's a good place to be because it forces people to look to something beyond themselves, and that, that's you. And you are the hope, and we find great comfort in that. Uh, commit this service to you, the time that follows. Uh, be with the words I share this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to share with you a story that I uh, experienced a few years ago. I was um, by a campfire, and I had a paper cup and about half full of water. And I uh, had this idea, I'm going to put this cup in the fire and see what it does. And so I stuck the cup in the fire and just watched it. And to my amazement, the cup burned down to where the water level was and no further. And you know anything about physics or any of that stuff, you know that the water served as a heat sink and it kind of absorbed the heat and it didn't consume. But then I took a, you know, I took a little stick. Uh, well, actually, I took a um, coat, metal coat hangers. You guys ever know what those are? Some of you, we used to have those around. Now you don't see too many metal coat hangers. I took a metal coat hanger, stuck the bottom of the cup, and all the water drained out and the cup was consumed. And so... I want to share, the reason I share that is because worry, and we're going to talk about worry this morning, is like a hole in the bottom of your cup. Because we are faced with the fires of adversity all the time. We're going through it as a country, as a world. Maybe you personally are going through some turmoil. You're in a fire. And there's got to be something beyond ourselves to help us from getting consumed. And we know it's God. We know it's Jesus. We know it's our faith and trust in him. But when we start worrying, even as a believer, it's like putting a hole in the bottom of your cup, and it just, the cares of life just consume you. And uh, so I want to talk and address that issue of worry. Um, none of us think it's a good thing, but we still do it from time to time, don't we? So worry is a universal problem. Every one of us struggles with worry. We may worry about different things, but the fact is that we all worry from time to time. The Longman Dictionary describes worry as an uncomfortable feeling in the mind caused by a mixture of fear and uncertainty. And my guess is most people do not look at worry as that big of a deal. Uh, many people see worries as kind of a normal part of life, just the way that you deal with uh, the uncertainties of life. But in reality, worry is a big deal. Uh, it affects us mentally, it affects us physically, it affects us spiritually. Worry affects us on many different levels. It can keep us from sleeping, it can rob us of energy, steal our joy. Worry has a way of affecting our relationship with God and with others, and it, ruins our, it can ruin our health. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. 
In the Greek, the word worry, actually anxiety, means to have a divided mind. A divided mind. It's to be distracted. It's the tension we experience between the known and the unknown coming together, and worry stresses out over the issues that we have no control over. Worry, uh, worry is a result of fear, a fear of loss, fear of security, fear of tomorrow, uh, fear that your plans might not come out as you planned them, um, fear of death, fear of getting sick, and the list goes on. Fear tells us tomorrow is something to be afraid of. Fear tells you if certain things happen, you're not going to be able to survive. And fear convinces you that if you take the controls away from God and try to work everything out on your own, it's going to, come to, it's going to, it's going to work out, and it doesn't. Um, but frankly, there's no shortage of things to, to fear about today. Conflict in Ukraine, COVID, inflation, supply chain demands, the economy, political unrest, the cultural divide, turmoil in our cities, and the list goes on. I think it's fair to say that many people today are pretty stressed out. They're pretty uncertain. Uh, they're stressed out about where we are. They're not really hopeful about where we are and even where we're going. And with that in mind, I love the name that we've adopted as a church, Living Hope Bible Church, because it speaks to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, to know that he's our anchor, he's the hope that's found, um, you know, as we trust in his word and trust him personally in our relationship, trust relationship with him. But instead of trusting in God, many people worry. And that seems to be the default emotion that we all kind of go to when we're dealt, you know, with the circumstances beyond our control. We kind of worry about things. And the opposite of worry is trust. The opposite of worry is trust. The opposite of worry is contentment. It's peace. And trust is having a single focus. It's having a single focus. It's not divided. It's not consumed with the circumstances of life. It's to focus on the things that we know to be true. We are called to trust. We are called to trust God. We are called to trust his word. And the reality is, is if you... Uh, you cannot trust and worry at the same time. Try doing that sometime. You can't do it. They're not compatible. We're either trusting or we're worrying. It's one or the other. And I would suggest this passage is more about trust and worry. We don't need to be told not to worry. We already know it's pointless. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't accomplish anything, right? But what is the solution to worry? Trust. It's trust. And in a nutshell, it's all about trust. When you take all scripture and distill it down, you're going to come up with two things. Jesus and faith. Trust. And trust in Jesus, trust in his word, trust in his character, trust in his sovereign control. And without trust, it's impossible to please God. Trust. And the big idea this morning is when we trust God, when we seek him, he is honored and our needs are met. In Matthew 6, 25 to 34, Jesus spoke about the futility of worry and offered some insights to help us win this battle over worry and anxiety. And this passage has been a guiding light um, for Angie and I over the years. Can't tell you how many times we've come back to this passage and have claimed it for our own, and God has been faithful. And chances are good that you have a portion of Scripture or verse that has sustained you and encouraged you. Matthew 6 25 to 34 is that for us. And one of the things you will notice in this passage is that three times Jesus says, don't worry. He actually says, don't worry, stop worrying, and don't start worrying by changing the form of the verb. And if you're, if you're worrying, stop. If you're not yet worrying, don't start. 
And generally speaking, just don't worry and don't be anxious. So let's break this down. Look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? You know, the biggest reason I see for not worrying about things is this. To not worry about something is, to, is a declaration of our trust in God and his ability to handle any situation that comes into our life. Let me say that again. To not worry about something is a declaration. It's a declaration of our trust in God and his ability to handle any situation that comes into our life. My friends, worry is a sin. It's a sin to worry. It's incompatible with our faith and our exalted position as a child of God. John MacArthur put it this way, we are not spiritual orphans. God loves us and adopted us into his family, and worry is a serious sin. There may be greater sins in people's eyes, but think about this. Is there a greater sin than to distrust God's promise of love for his own? Is there a greater sin than that? Is there a greater sin than the sin to assault the character of God? Is there a greater sin than the sin that assaults the promise of God? Is there a greater sin than the sin that assaults the attributes of God, namely his faithfulness? I don't think so. It's serious. It's a sin. It's a serious, serious sin, so don't worry. <laughs> well, Jesus is saying here, don't, don't be concerned about your life, your temporary life. Why would you worry about your life when you belong to God? We belong to God's kingdom. You're a child of God, and he'll make sure that you have everything that you need. My friend, we need to have a bigger picture, one that looks beyond the, the physical. If we belong to God, we have a Heavenly Father that cares about our every need, and we're to rest in that. What is going to happen is going to happen, all right? Can't change it. Can't change it. It's just going to happen. Regardless of how you feel about it, life is going to happen, and things are going to happen. We recently flew, uh, had a trip, and we, uh, we had to... A connecting uh, airport was Denver, all right? Denver in winter, all right? Some of you already have pictures of delays and, and spending the night in Denver all night because of some delays. And so where we were coming from, we left 20 minutes late and we had a 40-minute layover. Do the math, all right? That gives you 20 minutes to get off the plane, get to your gate, and get on the next plane. And I'm like, this isn't going to happen. So as I'm sitting there talking to Angie, I'm thinking, Okay, I'm preaching on worry next, uh, next week. <laughs> I better do this right, all right? So I thought, okay, three and a half hours, I could spend the whole time worrying about whether we're going to get our connecting flight or not, or I can just rest in God and figure that he's going to work it out and we'll get back to Boise sometime. And uh, I don't know what, the pilot must have given a little juice or something, but we got there on time, and we got to our gate with plenty of time to spare, and we got to Boise in the time we were scheduled. And all that worry, if I had worried, which I didn't, um, would have made no difference in what happened. It just wouldn't. And so, obviously, there's more to things to worry about. We worry about things more than eating, drinking, and the clothes we wear. But in the first century, put yourself back there. In the first century, eating, drinking, and clothes was a big deal. These people thought about it all the time. It was on their minds all the time. They couldn't go down to Walmart, pick up some eggs, or a pair of shoes. It just wasn't an option for them. So when Jesus said to not be concerned about what you eat, drink, and wear, wear he was speaking to an audience that didn't know where their next meal was coming from for some, in some respects. 
They were just totally preoccupied with survival. Our worries are compounded by the fact that we live in a world that is so busy and so complex, and we just kind of add to the stresses of our life. There's, one, there's no one in this room that sees the value of worrying. If I had to take a survey, no one would say, yeah, worrying's a good thing, okay? But how many of us think that it damages? It's a damaging thing. It's a damaging thing. Um, worry does not just affect us physically, but it damages us spiritually. It damages our witness for Christ and our peace of mind. When we worry, we are stating loud and clear to our family, to the people that we work with, to the people that we hang out with, the fact that God is not big enough to handle the situation that we're dealing with right now. That's a, that's a, it's, clear, it's loud and clear. It means Satan, can, if we can get us to worry and get burdened and anxious and stressed out and defeated and fearful, what kind of a Christian testimony do we really have? What kind of salt and light and blessing are we to the people around us? So let's skip down to 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So why do people worry? Well, because they're concerned about the unknown, the, the future, things that they're not aware of. I mean, Jesus is saying, give today your attention. Give today your attention. Make the most of the day that you're living in. Right now, today has enough concerns, enough things to be concerned about. If things are going great today, soak it up. <laughs> Don't waste your time, you know, worrying about what might happen tomorrow. Jesus is not saying, don't think about tomorrow, don't plan for tomorrow. He's not saying that. He's simply saying, just don't worry about tomorrow. And frankly, our days are pretty full without doubling it by pulling in what may or may not happen in the future. And here's the promise. God will give us what we need for today. And he only gives us what we need for today, our daily bread. God does not give us tomorrow's grace today. He does not give us tomorrow's grace today. And when tomorrow comes, he will give you the strength and the grace to handle tomorrow. God has given us everything we need up to this point, and he's promised to provide for us going forward. And instead of fear about tomorrow, we need to learn how to trust God and focus on today. We see in Lamentations 3, and 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see, God is the God of tomorrow as well as the God of today. And enjoy the grace God gives today and leave the future to God. If we could just do that. You know, it's so easy to say that, but I know that when stuff comes up, man, alive, that's, that's overwhelming, and I'm going to sit here and mull over, mull over it for a while and fret, and I'm going to get that stomach, pit in my stomach, and, you know, and when it's all said and done, how, how much did that accomplish? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We know that that's not the way to go, but yet we still do it. So the solution to worry is trust. It really is. Uh, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. John MacArthur says, don't cripple the present by worrying about the future. Don't cripple the present by worrying about the future. So in this passage, Jesus not only gives us a reason to trust, but he also gives us some practical examples of trust. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And Jesus is sharing the most, you know, as Jesus is sharing, so look at the birds. As Jesus is sharing the most profound sermon of all times, he probably points upward, 
You know, he said, look up. No doubt a flock of birds are flying by. And he said, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Palestine is full of birds. Israel is full of birds. It always has been. When birds migrate from Europe to uh, North Africa, they go through Israel. It's true even today. Many Israeli, Israeli pilots have been killed by birds coming through the cockpit. There's a special rules for coming, in and, coming and going out of Tel Aviv airport uh, because of bird migrations as they can get caught in the engines and uh, these big planes. It's a serious issue. Israelis know the, the migration patterns and they plan accordingly. They know what time of year they come. They know how long certain birds will migrate. And they also know the altitude at which they fly. And because uh, it's always been that way. It's that way every year. And when you read the book of Revelation, it's interesting to note that at the end of age, when the battle of Armageddon is fought, there's going to be a feast for the birds. If there's one place in the world where there could be plenty of birds, it's Israel. They're there. They're there all the time. And so perhaps Jesus looks up and he sees a flock of birds and he says, hey, look, maybe he didn't say hey, but he says, look, you know, they don't sow and they don't reap. In fact, they just fly around and pick up the seeds that you sow. They don't gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Jesus follows this by asking this rhetorical question. Are you not more value than they? Are you not more value than they? And the answer, of course, is a resounding yes. Absolutely. As one author put it, there's no worries in the life of a bird. There's no attempt to pile up goods. You don't see birds flying with a little briefcase full of food in case they need it. They're not worried about some unforeseen future or some unforeseenable foreseeable event. They don't worry. They live their lives knowing that the food will be there. They just know it. These birds are not sitting idle. You know, you know, they're not waiting for food to be dropped into their beak. They still work for it. Uh, they search for it, and they find it because God takes care of the birds. God takes care of the birds. And Jesus says, you are in, you're far more valuable than they. And for us, if God cares for the birds, do we think for a moment he cares less of us? Do we need to fear the future because of food? Do we need to stockpile and hoard, um, ignoring the promises of God? I'm not saying we can't prepare, we can't you know, have things in the hand. I'm just saying, you know, don't take it to, a, to an unhealthy level. If the birds who can't plan ahead have their needs met by God, is he going to meet our needs? Well, absolutely. So people not only worry about what they're going to eat and worry about their life, but they also worry about their health. We live in a world that's full of health <laughs> uh, freaks, I guess the only word that comes to my mind. Um, you know, there's always exercising, and that's not a bad thing. I need some, I need some of that, okay? Some of you are like, yeah, you could use some exercise. But, uh, yeah, but we live in a world that's just trying to get, you know, make life longer. You know, we're trying to kind of expand things. We see in verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? The Lord really here is talking about the span of life. I don't know what translation you're looking at, but it's about the span of life, the length of our life. Jesus says, look, don't worry. You can't add one fraction to the timeline of your life. Jesus is saying, in essence, who by worrying can add a single moment to his life? And the answer, of course, is no one can. And here's the paradox about worry. In a manner of speaking, a man can worry himself to death, but cannot worry himself to a longer life. The writer of Hebrews says, it's appointed to men to die, and after that comes judgment. This whole issue of sorting out life, 
<sighs> and death issues, it's complicated. It's complicated. And honestly, there's many things about end-of-life issues I just do not understand. My mom, who is 93, suffers from the results of a stroke. Death would be a welcome thing for her. She's ready. She's going home. And there are those that I've known that are as fit as can be and die at an early age. We just don't get it. But according to Hebrews, we all have an appointment with death and eternity. And worrying about what's going to happen is not going to change what God has already foreordained for all of us. So Jesus says, look at the birds, look at your life. And next he says, look at the lilies. Verse 28, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God who closes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Why are we anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies, the wildflowers of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. They're not stressed out, Jesus says. The word consider is a very rich word in the Greek. It means to consider or to study carefully so that we can learn something thoroughly. Jesus says, don't miss this. It is very important. Jesus exhorts his followers to not merely see how the lilies grow in the field, but to consider them, observe them, examine them very carefully. And in so doing, they will teach you something that you need to know, a very valuable lesson. On this slide, you see a comparison between the finest silk out there and a petal or a flower. There's no comparison, is there? None. None. Jesus is saying, take a close look at the wildflowers and compare that with the finest clothes on the market, and you will find that there is absolutely no comparison. The flower is more amazing, hands down. The petals of our flower of a flower are exquisite and they're weaved by God. If God is going to take care of flowers, don't you think he's going to take care of you? Such a contrast, isn't it? He just says, if God takes care of flowers, which are here today, gone tomorrow, is he going to take care of you? Of course he is. The flowers did not create themselves. God did that. And if God clothed the flowers, which are eventually die and thrown and used uh, to heat furnaces, how much more will he take care of you and clothe you? You are a child of God. You are a living soul, and you have infinite value and the lilies of the field because than the lilies of the field because you have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So stop worrying. <laughs> stop worrying. Jesus says, stop worrying. Look at the birds. Look at your life. Look at the lilies. Now look at your faith. How's your faith doing? How's my faith doing today? Are we trusting? We see the end of 30, verse 30, for beginning of 31. Oh, you have little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. It always comes back to faith, doesn't it? It is about faith. Verse 30 ends with, you have little faith. When we worry about things, we demonstrate a lack of faith. A lack of faith. Where's your faith? Where's my faith? You can almost hear Jesus say, where is it? <laughs> Where is it? You've got it somewhere. Where'd you put it? Bring it out. We need to use it today. Listen, we have a Heavenly Father who cares for us, and we have nothing to fear no matter what happens. No matter if the whole economy crushes, crashes, 
or we go to a world war, we do not have anything to worry about because God cares for us. We do not need to fear, but we do need to trust. You have little faith, don't worry. Why? Because we are part of the family of God. We are owned by him. He cares for his own. In speaking to the Jews in the first century, Jesus says, you are not outside the family. You are not outside the faith. You are not like a Gentile who, for the most part, didn't trust in God. He says, no, worry is needless, it's senseless. Worry is useless. It goes on, it goes against who we are. It's not befitting of you in light of your relationship with Jesus Christ, with God. The Gentiles were obsessed over what they would eat and what they would drink and what they would wear, and rightfully so, and rightfully so, because they didn't, because they were on their own. They didn't have a trust relationship with a heavenly father to take care of them. There was no plan B for them. But for us, not for us, we're in the family. We are known as kingdom citizens. We're different. And we need to stand out as someone who trusts God regardless. You know, it's a sad place to be, isn't it? People all around us have nowhere else to turn. There's nowhere else to turn. They're doing the only thing that they know. They're striving, toiling, stressing over most everything, and they're putting their trust in temporary things and their ability to work everything out. That's a really sad place to be, isn't it? That's where so many of your neighbors are, the people you work with. They are just trying to make it happen. They don't have confidence that there's a God out there that'll, that'll fill in the blanks. They don't have that. We do. As Christ followers, we do. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, The apostle states, We do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. Someone who is not a Christ follower does not have a backup plan. If things don't work out, they're sunk. And for that very reason, people all around us are turning to Jesus. <laughs> Especially in light of where things are at in our world. Because they have nowhere else to go. And if you're here today and you're stressing out over the world and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, this might describe you. You're just trying to make it work. You're, trying to, you're striving. You're doing everything in your power to just make all the pieces come together. I would encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus today. Trust him with your life. Put your faith in him as your, as his, as your savior. Trust him. You won't be disappointed. It's not this escape plan. It's starting a relationship now that just gives you what you need, the joy that is so missing in so many people's lives. People are just stressed out today. They need Jesus. They don't know it, but they need him. And we have the answer, and we can provide that as God provides those opportunities, as we take those opportunities. But people need Jesus. They need the word. There's no promise that uh, God's going to make you rich. Uh, there's no promise that God's going to give you more than you need. But there is a promise that Jesus will take care of your basic needs. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you live like that? Do you believe that God knows what you need when you sit here today? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he is capable of providing for your needs? Do you trust him and his goodness today? Does your Christian faith affect your view of life? Really, think about that. Does your Christian faith affect your view of life? Is it just something that you have in fire insurance or whatever you might call it? Or does it really affect your life going forward?
Is your faith more intellectual than experiential? Is your faith more intellectual than experiential? And what I mean by that, are we experiencing God's provision firsthand, or is this something we read about in the Bible or in some biography? See, God wants to show us his arm. <laughs> he wants to flex his muscles. He wants to show us his love and the care and care for us in very practical and tangible ways. But, but for many of us, they miss it. They don't recognize it, or they're not even asking for help. There's something wonderful about being in the position of utter dependence so that you see the faithful hand of God. I recently spent some time with my sister and brother-in-law in, -in uh, Minneapolis when I went to see my mom. And uh, my brother-in-law had a wonderful perspective that I hadn't thought much about. But it's so rich, it's so true. He says, the reason that God keeps us here on earth after we're saved, because I've often wondered that, why don't we just go to heaven? You know, I know it's a part of evangelism. We have to be the light and the salt. But there's a bigger purpose, and I think he nailed it. He says, because by living on this earth, we experience God's character, the tangible things that he does for us, his faithfulness, the patience that he gives, his provision, the things that we are, when we get to heaven, our worship is going to be firsthand. We're going to come before God of heaven and say, I worship you because you have met my needs. You have cared for me. You have sustained me. You have been there during my life on earth. And if we didn't experience all that on earth, what would worship be like in heaven? And you think about that. Isn't that something? Isn't that good? I just thought that was just so profound, so good. So what does anxiety do? Just the opposite. It distracts us. It entangles us. It distracts us what's important. It zaps us of energy. It keeps our mind divided. We end this morning with some very positive instruction. Look at verse 33, the benefits of trust. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What are all these things that Jesus is referring to here? Well, it's what he's been talking about. Three things. Food, drink, and clothing. In principle, Jesus is referring to just the basic needs of life. It's not limited to food, drink, and clothing. It's a principle here that God will take care of your needs, your basic needs. You'll have enough to eat and drink and wear and a place to live. God will sustain you. He's not talking about some spiritual thing here. He's just talking about some very practical issues of life. And that's the theme of the text. He's saying God will add all these things to you if you stop worrying and start seeking the kingdom and his righteousness. So what does that mean? What does it mean to seek his kingdom and his righteousness? It means to focus our attention on God, on spiritual matters, things that are important to God. This is what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians, set your affection on things, uh, and things in heaven, not on things on the earth. And Jesus is saying, get your priorities right. Pour yourself into the kingdom. Pursue righteousness, and then you will enjoy all of this. Now, there's a condition found in this verse. The condition is this. Jesus promised to meet our needs. is conditional on us seeking kingdom and his righteousness. If, our, if your goal in life is not the advancement of the kingdom of God, if your goal in life is not to pursue righteousness and live rightly, if your goal in life is not to trust in Jesus, if that's not your goal, God is not obligated to provide anything. How many people do you know right now who are mad at God because their life is falling apart and they say that God isn't doing anything about it? <laughs> I think we could all identify someone 
Maybe that's you, I don't know. Yet, when you look at their life, God has little or no place there. They're not seeking his kingdom. They're not seeking his righteousness. God will always fulfill his commitments, but we have a part in this, don't we? We do. And for so many, this amounts to a complete reworking or kind of a reboot of how we think and live. God may be asking you to completely dismantle the way that you have lived for X amount of years in dealing with crisis, toiling and worrying to a new approach that trusts and depends on God. My friends, you have a loving Father who knows your needs and who has pledged to meet all of them. And all he asks of you is that you put him first in your life, that you give him a place on the throne, that you not share that with anyone, but that's his place. God has promised to meet our needs, but sometimes he provides in abundance. Sometimes he goes beyond needs. He provides in abundance. If that's how God has worked with you, be generous with what God has given you. So please turn with you to Philippians 4, 6. As you're turning there, I just want to share a few things. We all will face problems. We're either coming out of a problem, we are either in a problem, or we are heading into a problem. It sounds really pessimistic, doesn't it? But that's the way it is, okay? I mean, we, we deal with problems, okay? It might not be big problems, it just may be problems. Some of them are big, some are not as big. But I don't know what each of you are dealing with today, but... Um, I'm sure that some of you are doing some very overwhelming circumstances in your life. And you came here looking for some answers. I hope this is helpful. I hope this is helpful. And I'm sure that the life, uh, life does offer some things that are completely beyond our, you know, just like, I can't believe I'm going through this. I can't handle it. And I'm sure many of you are facing decisions that you're not sure which direction to head in. And the last thing I want to do today is minimize the struggle that you're going through. But I know for a fact that God is bigger than any problem you're dealing with today. He is. And you've got to believe that. He goes, what's the other option? Worry? And where does that get us? Fretting? Where does that get us? Not trusting? Where does that put us? And what does that say about who we are in Christ? It really boils down to two things. We can either worry or trust. That's it. It's a decision that you make every day when you wake up and you're faced with the circumstances of life and some issue. You've got one of two choices. I can worry about this or I can trust. I can worry about this or I can trust. And we need to resist the temptation to fret and worry about things and instead trust God and pray about things. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, one verse that I just love They're not anxious about everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God will provide a peace that passes on understanding. He'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A powerful, powerful verse. I wish I had time this morning to share with you the many, many examples of God's faithfulness to me. He's been very faithful. And as I've lived out this verse as best I know how, he's provided, he's cared, he's been there. And many of us could sit here and say the same thing. We have seen God experientially, not intellectually, 
experientially. He's been a part of our life. He's been real. He's been present. And as we have, as we have surrendered our resources, our time, our affection, we've never been disappointed because God has always given over and above anything that we can imagine. We have a faithful God and we have to trust him. <clears throat> Sorry. Angie and I have a theme for 2022. It's called Embracing Serenity. <laughs> embracing Serenity. Last year was Embracing Mystery. Last, week, last, year was embra <laughs> last year was a mystery. But this year is Embracing Serenity. And I love the prayer of serenity. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We have all, all have uncertainty in our life. I do. I do. I know that we all do. There's things in our life that we're just not sure about, how it's going to play out. And we could spend time today and tomorrow and the next week and the next months worrying about how it's all going to play out. What good does that do? And what does that say about my relationship with Jesus? Not much. I'm not saying that I don't worry. <laughs> I do. I worry about things. I fret over things. I get anxious about things. I'm not always on the top of my game. I'm not. But I'm working towards it. And every time I surrender, every time I give it over to God, I'm never disappointed. Things may not play out the way that I like. They may go a different direction than I would prefer. But I trust him. You know, I trust him. And that's where it really boils down to trust, my friends. It's trust. And I think this passage can be applied to us as a church family. As we, the church family at Living Hope Bible Church, Seek God and his word first. He will provide for our needs. And I believe this church has a history of doing just that. And God has been faithful and has provided for our needs at just the right time. And some of you have been with this, this church family for a number of years. You can attest to that. You've seen God provide. You've watched his work in this body over the years. And you can say in a resounding amen to that. When I think of God's providing over and above what we need, I think of this financial gift that God gave Living Hope Bible Church last year. When that came in, I felt like God, it was God's way of saying, you've been faithful. You've been faithful to my word and how you've treated my son, and I just want to bless your socks off. That's what I got out of it. It's just like God says, you know what? You've stood for truth. You've kept the faith. You're doing what's right. You're standing on my word, and I just want to bless you through it. As we close, I want to leave you with three principles, three steps to take as we seek God. There's far more, I'm sure, but these are some practical steps. First of all, give up the controls. We've kind of touched on that. We have no idea or, we have no idea or control of what's going to happen in the coming weeks. Worrying excessively about tomorrow will not help anything. Give up the controls. Trust. Second is focus on today and make the most of it. We have no control or understanding what tomorrow will bring. So enjoy God's blessing today with the desire to please him and spread his glory. And then lastly, have faith and seek him first. Excessive anxiety is an indicator of how little faith we have. In times of trouble, remember to nourish your soul, study, pray. Our prayer life needs to 
needs to pick up sometimes, and we need to lay our fears and at the hand and feet of Jesus. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He cares for us in the things that we're going through. Draw near to Him. Trust Him, and you will never be disappointed. Would you close with me in prayer? Gracious Father, thank you. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you for the promise of your presence and your strength and your provision. Father, forgive us for those times when we fret, when we worry, when we take over the controls and not trust you. I know it's a constant struggle. We all deal with it. I'll deal with it. There'll be times I'm starting to worry about things. Bring to my mind how unlike my position that is, how unlike my my relationship with you as a child of God that is, that's not befitting a child of God. Remind me of your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your provision, for the way that you're at work in my personal life, our life as, a, as individuals and this church as a whole. We see your presence and we exalt you this morning. We worship you this morning. We acknowledge your, your sovereignty, your faithfulness, your care, your love. We just acknowledge all that today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.